You're listening to the weekly podcast from Solid Ground Church. We hope that this is uplifting and encourages you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. If we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now let's get to this week's message. Good morning, church. How are you doing today? Hope you're well. Church Online Campus, if you're there, why don't you click that little heart button, show some love, say hey to everybody who's tuning in. And uh, man, we are in a series right now called Wait, What? And uh, before we sort of go into what that's all about, I want to just take a second, a little bit of housekeeping for you before we dig into the word today, and we'll be in John 6. So, um, let me say it this way. One of the things that I absolutely love during this COVID season of separation, you might be like, what could you possibly love during this? Something that I love is how much so many people in our church have a heart to be together again. I can't say, I mean, I get multiple emails, texts every single week, and everybody always wants to, okay, when are we getting back together? And my answer to that is always the same. I don't know. Okay, I mean, I, I don't know. That comes down to what's happening at the state level. If you've been to our building, you know social distancing just really isn't an option here. Um, and so I, I don't know. But I, I want you to know um, a couple things. Number one, um, <laughs> there isn't a single person involved in making the decision about when we reopen the doors who doesn't want to be meeting together right now. Like, I am, I am sick to death of not being with you guys, so just know that, like, listen, it, it's one of those things where I, I don't want us to be apart, but there are just some things when it comes to, like, shepherding you and, and really taking your safety into consideration that we just feel that, like, here right now in the current facility that we're in, reopening the doors is not the best decision. But you're like, okay, we've heard that before. Here's what you haven't heard, all right? We also want to recognize that, listen, doing life together involves being together in person. So over the last several months, one of the things that we've been doing is trying to schedule and create in-person live events together where we could get together as a church, even though it wouldn't necessarily be here. And to, today, I'm really excited because I get to announce to you the first one. If you're like, when is the church going to get back together Here's when, it's, it's not Sunday morning worship, but it's still really good. Mark your calendars right now on Sunday, September 13th at Eagles Nest Church in Milton. Our church is having a night of worship at 6.30 p.m. Our, our brothers and sisters at Eagles Nest, they volunteered their building to us. If you've been to Eagles Nest, you know, it's huge. We can social distance everybody there. We're super excited. So on September 13th, the entire church is coming back together to worship the Lord and praise Him. And here's what I want to tell you, church. Okay, listen, you're like, well, it's 6.30 p.m. It's not in the morning. Shut your mouth. All right, so look, so look, here's what I want to tell you, okay? I'm just, like, right now, if you got to clear your schedule, clear your schedule, and here's why, okay? Because at that point, our church will have not met together in person in six months. Get your butt there, all right? Like, like get, like, all right, just mark on your calendar, 6.30 p.m., September 13th, over at Eagle's Nest, in Milton, night of worship, and you're going to hear more details on that in the coming weeks. Man, I'm just so excited to see you guys, so come on out. All right, now, all that stuff said, we're going to be, again, in John chapter 6 today as we continue 
in this series called Wait What? And here's uh, the thought behind why, why we're calling it that as our church works through the Gospel of John. Um, because wait what is a phrase that we use in life when information confronts us that we're not prepared for. Sometimes we say, wait, what? Like, you know, like we find out like, oh man, like you just got promoted or you're, or like, you know, you're, you're, you got into that college that you had forgotten that you even applied to. And you're like, wait, what? Or, you know, like you're, you find out like, it's, it's not always good. Sometimes it's bad. Like sometimes, you know, like you pay all this money to have your car fixed and then it breaks down on the side of the road. And you're like, wait, what? Like, it's just, okay. Sometimes it's, it's about information that confronts us. And in this series, what we're doing is we're looking at a confrontational or not confrontational, controversial uh, teaching of Jesus that that's kind of the attitude of everybody who hears it. It's one of the most controversial like passages, I think in the entire New Testament, certainly in the Gospel of John. And spoilers, it ends with people who were Jesus followers going, that's too much, I'm out. Like, what does it take, okay, if, if you're there watching Jesus perform miracles, what would he have to say? How crazy of a thing would he have to say that would make you go, I'm sorry, I just, I just can't get with that. But that's the teaching that we're looking at. So, uh, you know, if you've been with us, here, here's what we've seen last week. We, as we began this series, we, we set up, we talked about, okay, the people that Jesus is addressing are the people who he performed this miracle for. He, he supernaturally fed more than 5,000 people with, you know, bread and fish, and they come back to him because they want a free meal, remember? And so Jesus is like, listen, you guys, you're not understanding there's a greater food for you. And the sort of idea of a greater reality than just your, 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 your physical belly being filled uh, is the context for this entire thing. And, and, and we ended last week with this passage, like this verse I, just, I absolutely love. And so I'm just going to bring it up again here in John 6, 29. And here's what Jesus says to them. He says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he sent. As they're asking, okay, well, like, what does God want from us? Jesus goes, there's only one thing. He wants you to believe in me. Well, no, no, like, like what, what God wants from me, like, doesn't he want me to, you know, um, like, be perfect? Doesn't he want me to be religious? Doesn't he want me to sort of get my act together? And, and Jesus would say, well, you know, like, look, I, I think it's good for you to dedicate yourself and, and, and to try, sure, but let's understand something. That doesn't make you right with me. The only thing that God is demanding of you is to believe in me because I, and we talked about this last week, I'm enough. And how many of us, like, we recognize our lack of following God, and so what we do is, like, we're so aware of how we're not enough, but we said, listen, Jesus gives you, in terms of your standing with God, Jesus gives you his enoughness. So that's where our, 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 our story ended last week. But here's the neat thing as it continues. So Jesus makes this big statement, okay, like what God is requiring. He's not requiring the Ten Commandments. He's not requiring this sort of, you know, purification rites and all these dietary restrictions and all this scripture memorization. Like the thing that he wants for you is to believe in me. And so here are these, these good Jewish men and women who have grown up with the Old Testament law, and they recognize, whoa, that's a really big statement. That's, I mean, it's really big. So here's what they say in John 6, starting verse 3. He says this, So they asked him, Well, then, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? 
And they clarify, because look, Jesus, verse 31, our ancestors gave or, or ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread to eat from, or some bread from heaven to eat. And so in other words, here's what they're saying, okay? You need to back up what you said. If you're saying that all God is requiring of us is to believe in you, that's such a big thing. You need to back that up because that's a very big statement. And they go, listen, you know, we have this heritage of God coming down. He didn't speak to just a couple of people. He spoke to an entire generation in the wilderness, and he showed his faithfulness. He showed his salvation by giving them food. So what do you have? And here's kind of that story if you're like, what is manna all about? So here's, here's, here's what they're getting at, all right? So way, way, way before Jesus, there was this guy named Moses. And you know, the this, this story maybe like, you know, Moses, he goes because God tells him, like, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And, and God does all these plagues in Egypt and sets them free from slavery to Pharaoh, you know, parts the Red Sea. They're supernaturally delivered. That's the people of Israel, the ancient Israelites. And a little while after, like, God has basically destroyed Pharaoh's army in their midst, they're on the desert. And they're hungry. And they're thirsty. And if you ever read the story in Exodus, you find yourself starting to get frustrated because you're like, man, when will these people understand that like, God will take I mean, he just departed, like, he parted a sea for them. How many of us, let's just own this, when, when, when the, the rumble comes in our time, a little bit, we forget all about the ways that God's been faithful in the past. Come on. And so what we do is we begin to not trust in the present. And this is where they're, they're so aware of their current hunger. And they're crying, like, like did God, did God like, deliver us here just to kill us in the wilderness? Oh, it wouldn't have been better if we stayed in slavery in Egypt. Ah! And so the Lord says this in Exodus 16, 4. And so the Lord said to Moses, hey, I'm going to take care of him. Here's how. I will rain down, and I want us to pay attention to this phrase right here, bread from heaven. I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day, and he says, and in this way, I will test them and see whether they follow my instructions. And so basically, here's what happens, okay? So each morning from then on, they wake up, and there's, you know, there's dew on the ground, and, and, but under the dew, there's this flaky white stuff. And here's, what, here's in Exodus uh, 16 and 15, if you jump forward in the story, here's what it says. When the Israelites saw this, like, this flaky stuff on the ground, it says, when they saw it, they said to each other, wait, what is it? What is this? But they did not know what it is. In fact, the, the, the phrase here that we translate in the New Testament as manna, literally just what it means in Hebrew is, what is it? That's what manna, that's what manna the, the deep spiritual meaning of the phrase manna from heaven is, what is this? Okay, and here's what it was. They would take this flaky stuff and they would be able to make it into bread, but only bread for that day. Okay, it wasn't like they could just sort of hoard a bunch of it and they'd live off of it for weeks. No, God was like, listen, you're going to trust me today. And tomorrow you're going to trust me that day. It's, uh, it's why, you know, if you, if you ever, um, if you ever hear the Lord's Prayer, right, there's that part where it says, give us this day our daily bread. What he's referencing is this right here. Listen, God, I'm not asking you to provide this surplus where I'm comfortable for the rest of my life. I'm asking you to provide for me today. I've said this in the past. I'm going to say it again. And you should just know this for the one who's like, man, when will I be comfortable? And when will I be able to relax? When will God give me so much that I can just exhale? Here's the truth. God is not interested in bringing you to a place in life where you don't need him. He's just not. And so, so many of us, what we do is we think, okay, like if, just, if God just gave me everything forever, I'd be fine. But what he wants to do is teach you to trust. What he wants to do is give you the provision to show you, listen, walk with me because I can be trusted. 
And that's the story of manna, that God gives these people food in the wilderness. God took care of them. He was away him backing up his promise that they would be his people, and he would be their God. I'll care for you in the wilderness. I'll care for you no matter where you are. And so you have this crowd now in front of Jesus, and they're going, look, our father's got manna. What do you have? And Jesus goes, oh, it's so good. So good, verse 32. Here's what he said. He goes, very truly I tell you. Guys, just to be clear about something. It's not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. Moses was just a man. Like Moses, like Moses didn't, didn't do anything for you. It was, it was God who did it. So he says, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. And there's a phrase again, like bread from heaven. Okay? But it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. What does that look like? He's getting hyper-spiritual. He goes, well, look, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. The bread that came down gives life to the world. And so they go, well, sir, sir, always give us this bread. That sounds great. And then Jesus goes, yeah, it does, doesn't it? And he goes, guys, I'm the bread. I'm the bread of life. In fact, just a little fun thing for you. Uh, in the Greek there, this phrase that we translate, the bread of life, it's actually, literally, it's the bread that gives life. Okay, like, I'm the bread that's come down from heaven, and I give life. We could say this, okay, listen, you know, if we're looking at the precedent of manna in the wilderness, and people getting exactly what they needed for that day, Jesus would look at you, and he would go, you want to know who I am? I'm exactly what you need. I'm exactly what you need. You're going through life, and you're encountering hunger of all different kinds. Sometimes it's physical, like earthly food. Other times, listen, you're hungry for love. You're hungry for relationships. You're hungry for affirmation. You're hungry for peace. You're hungry for, like, peace of mind. Jesus goes, I'm exactly what you need. You know why? Because I'm the bread of life. I'm the one that has come down. And with that knowledge, with that precedent, Guys, like that, that, that regular bread, it's nothing. Jesus goes, let me invite you to something. And here's his invitation to them. It's an invitation to you and me as well. He says this. He says in John 6.35, he says, whoever, and you're a whoever, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And maybe you're watching today and you've known something was off in your life. You just couldn't put your finger on what it was. Let me tell you what it was. You were hungry. And you were thirsty for a food you've never had. So you find yourself, you, you go through life and you, and you binge Netflix. And you think, okay, if I just find the next show, finally, like, I'll be satisfied. And, and there aren't enough series in the world for that. And, and, you, and you, you, you blow through relationships. And you, you go, man, like, okay, maybe like, if I just meet the right person or the right people and they'll love me enough that I'll feel good about me. I'll feel valued. But there is not a regular human being who can do that. You're hungry. 
Or you go, something like, I just need to make some more money because if I make more money, I'll get the stuff that I want. Why is it with all the stuff that you've ever accrued, you've never been satisfied? Because you're hungry for something else. Let me say it like this. <laughs> so um, years ago, I got two kids. I got, a, I got an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. When the eight-year-old was two, <laughs> where did that time go? One night we had, we had a, a, a moment where, you know, we had him in his high chair and, and we're trying to feed him dinner. And he's just, he's, 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 he's okay, I'm just, he was being a two-year-old, all right? Like, he hates all of it. So, like, we try, here's, here's your food, buddy. Like, no! I swat it away. Like, I don't want it. And, we're like, and so we come, finally get to this point where, like, listen, I'm not waiting all night for you, okay? Listen, like, this is your last chance. If you don't eat, you will go to bed hungry. Right, and that's the parental threat. Like that'll learn him. Come on, and there's part of it. Like you're doing it to discipline your kid, and also part of it because you're just sick of it, right? You know. So, anyway, so um, here we are. I'm like, listen, you need to eat, or you're going to bed hungry. And he goes, I'm fine. I don't want any food. And we're like, final choice. If you don't eat, you're going to bed. We're not giving you any more. He's like, I'm done. I don't, I don't need it. And I'm like, all right. So put him to bed. Put up the little baby gate in his room so that my wife and I can have a moment of privacy in parental life. <sighs> Welcome to Solid Ground. So anyway, here's this point, right? So, so we're sitting there in the living room. We're watching TV. Hours go by. And about 10 o'clock that night, I hear from down the hallway at the entrance of his room, hungry. <laughs> like, I did a double take because I'm like, is a zombie in my house? And I hear, and I hear it again hungry. So I walk down the hall and I find my two-year-old boy with his hands like perched on the baby gate at his door, just, ah, right? And like, like I didn't know that missing one meal would be that devastating to a human being, but man, you would have thought like he lost everything in life. He's just like, hungry. Okay, right. And, and we giggle at that. Okay, but here, here's the deal. How many of you, can I, can, let's just Zone in for a second here. How many of you, like, that's your climate in life, okay? You're going through life. And listen, there have not been a, come on, I'm just going to speak to one right now. There have not been a shortage of, oppor- like, shortage of opportunities for you to find actual food. This is not the first time someone has offered the gospel to you. This is not the first time somebody has said, listen, Jesus can satisfy where you are. But you keep going, no, that's not for me. And why is it that you're going through life and nothing that you do? satisfies you. Here's why. Because you're refusing the food. You're refusing to eat. And you've been made for a meal that's way greater than everything else that you've been feeding on. Basically, in life, rather than having this huge feast, you've been settling for chiclets. You've been settling for little tiny snacks that could never fill your belly because they weren't meant to. And all these great ways that God blesses you and all these great ways that God gives you all these things that aren't bad things, but the problem is your life is so oriented around them that you're never satisfied because you've never tasted the bread of life. Am I preaching, you guys? Good night. I was expecting more of a reaction than that. All right, so like, <laughs> you guys aren't here. I don't know what I was thinking. Smash that like button. So look. So look. So look. But what is that? What is that? The truth is this. You are spiritually hungry. But you don't have to be. You don't have to be. And for the one who's watching today, and, and you go, well, that's nice, Bert. But, 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 but you don't know what I've done. 
the truth is, okay, maybe Jesus wants to feed good people, but Jesus would never want me. It's almost as though Jesus anticipates that response. As though if he says, listen, I'm the bread of life, I will give you what you're ultimately craving in life. For the one who would go, Jesus, man, he, that, 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 I, I, just, I know he's going to reject me. I know like the moment, if I were to even make myself vulnerable and pray to God and ask him, he would just backhand me. Here's what you need to hear today. Verse 36, Jesus, after saying, I'm the bread of life, here's what he says. He says, uh, but as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not, not believe. Now look at verse 37. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, and there's that word again, whoever. You're a whoever. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Never. Never. He'll never reject you. He'll never get rid of you. He'll never, like, you know, we, as you sort of have this fear, this apprehension, which I believe, by the way, is, is the enemy who's trying to keep you from coming home to your father to be fed. Here's the reality. You don't have to fear rejection from Jesus. How many of us, like, come on, how many, how many of us go through life fearing that? Like, we think, okay, you know, like, we, we try to, we try to, create spiritual gusto because at the end of the day, we're terrified of God, like meeting God. And we go, all right, I've got to perform because I know that God is just waiting to bring down the hammer on me. And it's here we have to understand something. According to Jesus' promise right here, number one, you don't have to fear rejection from God at all because as it turns out, and you should just know this, you couldn't come to God unless he wanted you to. Right? Like, like, all those that the Father gives me, I will, like, like the, he wants to bring them to me, I will never reject them. You couldn't have a desire to be reconciled to God that he himself didn't place within you to reconcile you to him, which means if you want God, it's only because he wanted you more first. You don't have to fear rejection from God at all because Jesus goes, listen, all those that the Father gives me, they'll come to me and I'll never turn them away. Everybody was just like, yes, I want that bread of life. Yes, I, I, I want to be filled. Like, yes, I, I recognize that I'm hungry and I need something greater. Like, my job hasn't satisfied my soul. My marriage hasn't satisfied my soul. My house hasn't satisfied my soul. My boat hasn't satisfied my soul. Like, there's got to be something more. And you're looking at your life and you're going, isn't there more than this? The answer is yes, there is. It's the bread of life. And you couldn't want that bread unless God wanted you to have it. Oh, shoot. And so Jesus clarifies. He says more. He goes, and by the way, guys, do you know why I'm even here? So for the one who's like, man, like, yeah, but could it be that good? And could it be that, that true? Jesus goes, here's the entire reason that I'm here. Here's the, the purpose of my mission, okay? Remember, like, we saw that language in, in Exodus with, like, the bread that's come down from heaven. And we saw Jesus applying that to himself. That basically, he's going, listen, I'm the fulfillment. All that was ultimately just symbolic of me. All right, he goes, here's, like, the real bread. Here's why the real bread has come down. So verse 38, he says, for I have come down from heaven. Not to do my own will. So it's not about me just going, yeah, I was getting bored up there, so I had to come down and occupy myself. No, no, no. I came down to do the will of him who sent me, God the Father. Okay, and what is the will of him who sent Jesus? Verse 39. And this is the will of him who sent me. 
that I should lose none. None of all those that he's given to me. They'll come into my hand and I'll hold them until the end. Baggage and all. I should lose none of them, but raise them up at the last day. Four. My Father's will is that everyone, who? Everyone. Who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. That's a pretty good will. And as we are pouring over this passage, I see four promises that jump out that I want to just, in the remainder of our time together, call out today. I think there are four things based on what we've read today that we can believe. Four promises of God for every single believer, not just pastors, not just worship team members, not just people who are dedicated. Every single person who calls on the name of Jesus, who says, yes, I want the bread of life, like, Lord, here, please come into my life. I'm handing it over to you. Okay. Every single person who believes on him, there are four things, four promises from God that are yours right now. If you believe on Jesus, number one, he'll forgive all your sin. All of it. Past, present, and future. The work of God is this, remember? To believe in the one that he sent. We think God's indifferent towards sin? No, no, but Jesus is the only one who can take it away. The promise is that, that he'll forgive all your sin. And this is who Jesus is. This is what he does. Guys, if you've been around for a little while, before COVID, you remember, like, when we did this series called This Is Jesus, and we just went into John 1, and we were looking at, like, Jesus' character, like, who the Gospels reveal him to be. Do you remember one of the ways that Jesus was described right at the outset of John? John 1, 29. Here's who Jesus is. He's the Lamb of God who takes away, and literally what it means is picks up and carries off the sin of the world. Sin, singular, like, they, they, when it comes to the work of Jesus, Jesus, John describes it, listen, like, sin is almost like this giant ball of filth that Jesus just picks up and takes away, like, all sin, all sin for, that every human being has ever committed, like, past, present, future, Jesus just gets rid of it. And this is a promise for you that if you believe on him, he'll forgive your sin. Psalm 103, 12 says it like this, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. This is what God's done for you and me. We don't have to live in guilt. We don't have to live in shame. We don't have to live in, like, does he even like me? Or is he still mad about that thing that I did when I was drunk? Or is he still mad about that thing that I did when I had an indiscretion? Is he still mad about that thing I did in college or last week or today? Like, no, no, there's no bitterness from God towards you. As far as the east is from the west, it's gone, baby. That's the first promise. You don't have to live with that stuff anymore. So believe in Jesus, number one, he'll forgive your sin. Number two, he'll satisfy your soul. Those who come to me will never go hungry or thirsty. He will give you what you are ultimately looking for in life. Let me tell it to you this way. I remember a little while back, um, I have a friend named Tracy. Tracy, actually, she, she's plugged into our church. She serves on our, on our uh, production team here. And I remember years ago you know, talking about a relationship with Jesus 
with Tracy, and, and she sort of listened to it. She'd grown up uh, religious, but that wasn't really something that was personal for her. And I remember being like giving her an invitation, like, listen, you, you can invite the Lord into your life right now. And she was like, yeah, I'll think on that, because she's a very intelligent, let me just sort of think this through before I do it, person. And so she, she, didn't, she didn't bite right then and there, but a couple days later, she's like, you know, I think I'm ready to do that. Yeah, I, I want to invite the Lord into my life. So I remember one day, like, I met her and some friends over at Lewis Beach, and uh, we just said, oh, let's just pray. Let's just invite the Holy Spirit to come, right? So she prayed in that moment, and she handed her life over to Jesus. And I'll never, I, like, as long as I live, I'll never forget what happened right after that. Like she says, she prays, and she opens her, her eyes, and she's just beaming. And she just goes, wow. She had, she had like, no, I mean, the Holy Spirit just came right in at that moment, filled her in, and, like, actually met her heart. And this is the thing about Jesus. He says, listen, those who come to me will never go hungry or thirsty. There's no grasping at spirituality. You'll get what you actually desired. He'll satisfy your soul, number three. That's a good one. He'll take you to heaven when you die. Right? Remember what he says here in, in, in verse 40? He says that they shall have eternal life. Um, and last I checked, you can't do that for yourself. Last I checked, when you exit this planet, you are at God's mercy. No matter how great you are here. You can't do that on your own. And Jesus is abundantly clear here. He says in John 14, 6, for the one who's like, well, all religions are the same. Jesus says, no, they're not. I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. It's not about how great of a person you are. So you can impress God with your accolades. You can't. The truth is, listen, you have sinned, so have I. What we deserve from a holy, perfect God is judgment and eternal separation. The moment you sinned ever, that's what should be on your plate. But God shows so much mercy to you and me that he sent Jesus, that Jesus is willing to take away your sin. He died in our place. The judgment of God that should have fallen on us, he took on himself so that we could be made right with God. And this is the promise. We don't have to fear what's on the other side of death because we know that when we die, the one who has already died will take us to be with him, as 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, listen, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's a promise for you because you believe on Christ. But it doesn't stop there because believe it or not, heaven is not the, the final hope of the Christian faith. We, we somehow have lost sight of this, but now the ultimate hope is this. Look where Jesus says, I'll raise them up at the last day. And this is the thing. Listen, if you believe on Jesus, here's a really big one. This is a promise for you if you are in Christ, that Jesus will raise you from the dead at the last day. Like there's a day coming where God is going to make death not a thing. That God is not in retreat, that he's not hiding somewhere. That like, okay, Well, I'll go to heaven so I can escape this. Well, yeah, that's part of it. But heaven is only temporary as the kingdom of God goes forward. Like, the thrust of the hope of the New Testament is, listen, God is going to undo death itself. Let me say this to somebody who's watching today. Um, and you're hearing these things, and you don't want the Lord in your life because you're mad at him. I want to just lean in for a second here. Um, you've gone through pain. You've gone through suffering. You've gone through loss. And you go, and I, 
listen, I'm not judging you for saying this. I understand why you said it. You go like, God, how could you let this happen? You've been so heartbroken. Here's what I need you to understand. Um, God hates death more than you do. In fact, if you read this book, what you find out is that death was never in his plan for creation. The, the reason that there is sin, the reason there is death, the reason there is suffering, sickness in the world is because creation has rebelled against God, and he is in the process of redeeming it. Here's why I'm telling you this. Because if you, if you want to know what God is like, you're like, well, I can't believe he would allow this. God, he, you're, you are so close to his goals right now. Like if, you, if you look at sickness and death and suffering and you're outraged by these things, good, be outraged by them because God hates them too. Do you know how the, like, the book ends? Do you know like, like one of the last things that you read in this as the, like, the full plan of God is sort of laid out, like okay, where all of this is going? This is what the Bible says in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 4. It says, like, when we're looking at the end of things, it says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Every person who's suffered who's in Christ, every person who like, they've gone through, he goes, God himself, he's so personal, he'll just wipe the tears away. And it says, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Why? Because the old way of things has passed away. There's a day coming where God will get rid of all the pain and all the evil and all the sickness and all the death, and that only comes through Christ. This is the truth. God hates death too. He is more heartbroken by what you've gone through than you are. And he's doing everything that he can to redeem it right now. How can I know that's true? Because Jesus died for you. But he didn't stay dead for you either. He rose from the dead. And the Bible calls this, he's the first fruits of the new creation. He's the firstborn. Like, like basically what God has done through Christ, ultimately he will do in your mortal body as well. Just as God the Father raised Jesus from the dead, this is the promise to you that you will be raised as well. And the only way that happens is if you believe on Christ. The work of God is this, to believe in the one that he sent. So today, look, if you would say you don't know him, if you would say, I'm hungry, please, there's got to be more than this. If today you would like to have the bread of life, you can. And in fact, you couldn't have that desire if God didn't place it in you, which means he wants to do it. So if you'd like to hand your life over to Christ, I want you to pray with me. Church online right now, this is, this is a, a sacred moment. Okay, listen, if this is your moment, we're okay. I'm inviting the Lord. I want you to, right now, just let us know that you're doing that. Click that I commit my life to Jesus button right now, okay? Wherever you are, let's just call out to the Lord together. And here's what we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Thank you for raising him from the dead for me as a promise to me. God, I acknowledge my sin. I acknowledge that I've done wrong. I acknowledge that I haven't lived for you. I want to turn from that now, and I want to turn to you. Please, take me. Receive me. Lord, I ask you, please give me the bread of life. 
Jesus. Let me taste of the one that I've been searching for my entire life, even though I didn't know it. Hold on while you're praying. Okay, um, for, the, for the one who's watching right now and, and you've grown cynical, and um, where you are is you're hearing this talk and you're going, no, I'm sorry, it's just not that simple. And, and you're dismissing it. And the reason you're dismissing it is because you go, listen, I tried the Christianity thing. It didn't satisfy me at all. And here's what I would tell you. You've tried religion, but you haven't tried Jesus. You've tried religious attendance. You've tried religious dedication. You've tried moral uh, adjustments, but you have not tried just being sustained by the giver of life. Today is your day where if you will invite Jesus into your life, he will give you what you're ultimately craving. You've been doing it wrong, but you don't have to anymore. Same deal. Okay, listen, if you invite him in, let him sing. So I just want you to pray. Listen, okay, Lord Jesus, I didn't realize that, that, that I didn't have you, but I'm seeing that in this moment. Please receive me now. Please give me the bread of life. Please fill my spirit. Let me know you. Because I'm hungry for you. And you promised that anybody who comes to you will never be hungry and never thirst. And so, Lord, I'm asking you to do it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, guys, listen, um, before we go, if you prayed with me just now, I want you to know that you haven't finished the race. You've just started it. We want to help you take your first steps. We've, we've created a thing for you. It's not going to make you right with God. Jesus has already done that, but it's going to help you going forward in your relationship with God. So listen, if you're on the online campus, I want you to click that link above that says next steps. Otherwise, I want you guys to go over to solidground.church slash first steps. They're going to find a bunch of you know, resources that are free videos, free study stuff that, that you can do to begin to understand going forward in your relationship with Jesus. Also, guys, if there is any way that our church can be serving you, any way we can be praying for you, I want you to email us this week, hello at solidground.church. Let us know what we can do to be there for you. Church Online, guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you all next Sunday for more of Wait. We didn't plan that. <laughs>